This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The World Market Watch is brought to you by CMB Preferred. 7.07 is Thursday, the 1st of December. And of course, you're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Wong Xiaoning together with Chong Jensen. But let's recap how global markets closed yesterday. US markets rallied on Fed's comments that smaller interest rate hikes could start in December. The Dow was up 2.2%, S&P 500 up 3.1%, the Nasdaq was up 4.4%. In Asian markets, the Nikkei was down 0.2%, Hang Seng was up 2.2%, the Shanghai Composite was up marginally by 0.1%, the Straits Times Index was up 0.4%, and the FBM KLCI was up by 0.8%. So for more on where international markets are heading, we speak to Vishnu Varathan, Head of Economics and Strategy at Mizuho Bank. Good morning, Vishnu. Always good to speak to you. Now, last evening, Fed Chair Jerome Powell reaffirmed expectations that it will take a less hawkish tone with regards to rate hikes. He actually used the word moderate. Does this mean lower rate hikes or does it mean for a shorter duration? I mean, that's that's really a, a good question. I think this is really what markets need to figure out. Uh, admittedly, he didn't sound as ardently hawkish or, you know, uh, brutally hawkish as uh, maybe a few meetings ago. Nevertheless, I think there are two takeaways from, from what he said. Uh, I, I think we need to take it in context of what he said in November, uh, right after uh, the, the FOMC, which is to say that a, a slower pace of rate hikes is inevitable, uh, but it's really not a, a sign of the Fed, uh, you know, looking to imminently back down or change its stance. Uh, so the moderation in hikes, uh, any any uh, consolation on that is, is real. But I think trying to project that as uh, lower peak rates or a, a very quick inflection where the Fed starts reversing policy, I think those are uh, far from foregone conclusions. And Vishnu, do you think the Fed has succeeded in fighting inflation but not tipping the economy into a recession? Uh, Jensen, that's a really nice way to ask whether I believe they can achieve that soft landing. Uh, but uh, so the, the sense is um, the impact of the rate hikes that the Fed has done, I think, has had a good impact. Uh, it has had a good traction on inflation. So it, it will start to moderate inflation. But whether it will be sufficient or not uh, for 2023, uh, we have our doubts. Inflation may not come off as quickly once you take out the, the fuel disinflation effects. So that's one. The other is there's also a lagged policy effect. And just given the sheer speed of rate hikes, we may be hit by a wall of uh, lagged tightening effects next year. So the the odds and the risks of a downturn and and, and a perceptible one at that remain uh, fairly high and and hard to avoid. So I I think it's premature to declare that we may be uh, may have that, that we have achieved a soft landing. So, Vishnu, does this then mean, okay, so you're saying that the base case scenario is likely to still be a recession. Will it be a very prolonged but shallow one or will it be a V-shaped one? So deep but a quick recovery. Uh, That's the other thing we're scratching our Mm. heads. So I think it will depend on the Fed's reaction here, Uh, mainly because our our, our experience has mostly been with V-shaped recovery since uh, our, our QE era after uh, the, the Lehman crisis or the global financial crisis. So if the Fed gets cold feet and very quickly stop quantitative tightening and very quickly cut rates, we may be something closer to a V-shape, even though it may not be as, as pronounced a V that followed uh, COVID because of the sheer quantitative easing they did. But if the Fed believes in the 70s and 80s lessons 
and holds rates higher uh, for a little bit longer, then it may be a deeper recession. Based on the Fed's pronouncements, it looks like it may be a slightly deeper recession, but we really don't know whether they'll get COVID just because uh, asset markets are in a very different place today than they were, say, in the 70s and 80s. And Vishnu, the world yield curve inverted for the first time since 2000. Does this necessarily indicate that a global recession is a base case scenario now for the next for next year? If not, what is it signalling to financial markets? Oh, this is a nice question because at least I can deflect the blame for being pessimistic to the yield curve. It's the yield curve. Uh, you know, it's the yield curve that's suggesting that there's going to be a recession. Not so much me, <laughs> but yes. I mean, on a global basis, that happening uh, tells us two things. One is. Uh, uh, I mean, there's there's a push and pull effect. So one it was telling us that confidence about uh, you know the growth trajectory further out compared to where rates are now uh, is somewhat lacking, and and the higher near-term financing rates versus uh, you know projections for the economy suggest that uh, it is more likely to be a recession. Uh, and and I think you, you you guys nailed the question, which is what type of recession will it be? I think that that's the only remaining question with regards to the inversion uh, on on a slightly a quirky technical point, uh, the 10-year, two-year curve for the US has been inverted for more than 20 weeks. As they approach 20 weeks of inversion, I'm sorry, 40 to anything above 40 weeks of inversion would be very consistent with uh, historical recessions. Now, um, we know that China is maintaining its zero COVID policy and as a result, the economy might be on the soft side. But we did see the PBOC lower the reserve requirement for Chinese banks by 25 basis points this week. Is this going to be enough to shore up the Chinese economy? I mean, it's, it's a great start. I mean, uh, and you know, even, even for someone as pessimistic as me, just looking at the suite of relaxation measures on property developers means that the immediate pressures are being relieved. Uh, and, and so that, that's some consolation. Uh, and, and I think that's really concerted efforts to avoid a hard landing starting in the property sector. But you asked the right question, which is, is it sufficient or not? And here, I think the jury is out because even as banks are told to lend, we don't know to what extent they'll lend to the beleaguered developers versus the stronger state-supported enterprises. So it may still be a very uneven outcome. We may see patches of very, very hard landing versus uh, other parts where uh, you know, so, so it becomes a very much more selective process, uh, but pain cannot be avoided. And Vishnu, how has the Chinese yuan's recent weakness affected Asian Asian currencies? The short answer is monkey see, monkey do. <laughs> <laughs> more nuanced and perhaps somewhat more polished answer would be uh, the higher volatility in the renminbi, uh, and as well as you know, growing risks of recession and, and all everything linked to the supply chains. Uh, so and and, and the credit. Uh, uh, def uh, default uh, contagion effects or, or risks mean that I think Asian currencies will be a lot more correlated to in particular downside risks in the renminbi. Is the era of King dollar over though? Because I have seen US dollar weakness in the last few days. That's true. I mean, uh, and, and you're right, the last few weeks, in fact, uh, yeah. the, the dollar has been uh, receding. I, I think the height and the golden rule of, uh, of, of you know, the emperor dollar is, is perhaps... Uh, done, and so I'm at risk of saying that, but I don't think we can say that it's a clean abdication of the throne either. Uh, I don't see a strong case for any, for the euro, sterling, or yen to re-emerge on a sustained basis uh, to, to see the dollar continuing to weaken along a linear path. And that's to say, it's going to be a bumpy ride out to 2023 before we can uh, you know, put to sleep worries about sudden spurts of dollar strength. All right. Thank you for your time. That was Vishnu Varadhan, Head of Economics and Strategy at Mizuho Bank.
it's still the era of king dollar for the moment, partially because there's very little alternative out there in terms of currencies which are showing robustness. I think it's also a question of how investors feel. So it's when it's risk off, US dollar remains the currency that they flock to. Yeah, I think expectations of investors are also so muted that I think Fed uh, Jerome Powell's statement yesterday was not significantly different from what he has been saying, that there will be slower pace of rate hikes. But uh, imminently, they may not back down from actually raising interest rates, uh, although the pace of increase will be slower and there's no real change in the peak Fed funds rate. So, What I did guess, he say? He didn't say anything different, did he? The way I read it, it's not something so different from what he's been saying over the last month, but markets reacted so positively. Nasdaq was up 4.4%. I don't know whether that's a sense of, you know, it's just a relief, right? So the glass half empty, glass half full scenario. And Nasdaq, unsurprisingly, went up because for one at one time, nobody wanted to own growth stocks if interest rates will continue to march upwards. So if that is tapered down, hey, growth stocks have come back in vogue. And also tech stocks have also been the most sold down in the last few months. So maybe bunker hunters are out thinking, hey, I want to be back in equities. That's the place where I can make the most returns. Yeah, definitely. And... With regards to the US dollar peaking, I'm not so sure whether investors should really maybe pivot out of USD assets. We will see China reopening sometime next year. I think a lot of brokers have already called for it. Mm. So I don't know if we, are, we will be a bit late in the game if investors don't get uh, their act together. Well, US dollar this morning against Ringgit 4.4460. But very quickly, let's just talk about one stock uh, that released results last evening, and that is Snowflake. Now, they're a cloud data platform provider. They were a work from home champion during the pandemic, but the share price has actually fallen 13% in extended trading after the company released results that beat estimate. But the issue here is they offered light product revenue guidance. Uh, so it looks like hmm, not such shiny, happy days ahead for them. Yeah, I think in terms of the numbers, the earnings per share came at 11 cents adjusted versus 4 cents expected. So really below expectations. But in terms of the outlook going forward, Snowflakes has said that it anticipates product revenue will be between $535 million and $540 million in the fourth quarter. And that's short of analyst expectations, where analysts are expecting $553 million. And the company expects to report between $1.9 billion and $1.924 billion for the full year. Okay, so uh, the Wall Street, Wall Street still likes this. 28 buys, 10 holds, 2 sells. Consensus target price for this stock, 212 US dollars. Regular market hours trading was actually up $6.34 to 142 US dollars and 90 cents. Now, up next, we'll cover the top stories in the newspapers and portals that catch our eye. Stay tuned for that, BFM 89.9. The World Market Watch is brought to you by CIMB Preferred. Moving forward with you. Visit cimbpreferred.com.my for their preferential services beyond banking. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.